This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. <laughs> Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. We are here at the scene of the Houston Rockets 118 to 116 win over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, a win that puts the Rockets at uh, an incredible 28-9 record. I'm here with my good friend, Moise Kapenda Bauer. M- MK Bauer, you know him on uh, Twitter at Moise Kapenda. MK, I really appreciate you doing this with me. It's been such an interesting year, and it's interesting that it's taken us this long to kind of get to, to talking about it, because I think for both you and I, the Rockets have far exceeded expectations. But, and, but there are some reasons why we should have seen this coming, and I'm sure we'll kind of get into that. Clearly, the acquisition of Gordon, Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson enabled them to have the shooters on the court that they didn't have the last few years, and it's really positively impacted James Harden's games. You know, it, we, we hear a lot of people talking about how his sister are up, and maybe he's more unselfish, and he's doing all these different things. He's not doing anything different. I think he's passing the guys who are actually making shots. Yeah. And that's the one thing that's been drastically different with this team as opposed to what we saw in recent years. And you know, obviously we'll get into Mike D'Antoni and the things that he's done with the team, and, and some of the, the small details you see where they're much better offensively, but I think by and large, they've exceeded expectations because their personnel is better, or at least better suited to what they want to do offensively. And I think they've just kind of had to make some things happen defensively. They've done a good job of that as well. You know, it, it's, it's, it still blows my mind this season in general. Last year, we came in with these championship aspirations, yeah. and just it was an awful product on the court. And then this year, people came in, and they were just lukewarm on the Rockets in general. I saw it on Clutch Fans. People were... You know, they wanted to see what the team could do, but nobody had any kind of championship aspirations. E- even people who had, I think, optimistic outlook were thinking possibly 50 wins. And, you know, if you get out of the first round, that's, that's a success. I think that's what some people uh, viewed this season, you know, as. And here they are, 28-9. and nine. I mean, it just blows my mind. And it is uh, reminiscent a little bit to me of a poor man's Warriors team from a couple years ago where they're just really hurting teams with that three-point shot they you know and it's it's interesting because it's not this is not a new concept i mean we were talking about this in 2012 before dwight got here of adding you know a stretch four and, and spacing the floor and uh you know around james harden and that's how they were successful most people didn't pick them to even make the playoffs that year in 2012-13 and that's how they got there um and they just sort of kind of went away from that they still continued to shoot three-point shots they just didn't have the, the personnel to do it and it's amazing what the personnel does. It changes everything. Now there are you know, 555 three-pointers made after tonight, far and away the most in the league. They entered tonight fifth in the league in three-point percentage, which is good enough when you shoot them at that volume. And they have so many guys capable of hitting threes. Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson, Trevor Reza, James Harden, even Patrick Beverly has been a, a very good three-point shooter. We've seen that tonight. You know, his first game back after missing two with a wrist injury, hits three really big three-pointers for them at, through the course of the game. Yeah. And when you have that many guys who can consistently make shots 38 to 40 to 42 percent, it makes you a viable offense. It makes you a team that can do what you want to do and stick to it. I think what we've talked about in recent years is that they had a plan, 
and they had to deviate from that plan a little bit because they had Dwight Howard in the, in the post demanding touches. They had guys who weren't capable of making shots from the perimeter, which forced James Harden probably forced the issue a little bit more offensively. Those things have kind of gone away. You know, you replace Howard with a guy in Clint Capella who was willing to just roll to the basket and dunk and not ask for touches. You put Harden in a position now where he can actually hunt for assists and not force shots as like he was in, re- in years past because he knows these guys are going to make baskets. And, 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 and the interesting thing, we've read a lot this week about external sources talking about this team and how Anderson in particular stretches a four because he's willing to take two or three steps outside the line, shoot three-pointers, and all the space he creates for Harden. And we've seen that manifest with the team get off to this great start. I, I don't see any reason why they won't maintain the shooting percentage they're shooting right now. Yeah. I think 38% is something they can maintain for the rest of the season. And I think clearly they're going to keep shooting threes at a high volume because that's who they are. What remains to be seen is how they can stabilize themselves offensively. I thought tonight was one of those games where they sorely missed Clint Capella, both in terms of rebounding oh, yeah. and in terms of rim protection. And you know, they've done a fine job, obviously, maintaining without him here. I don't know how much longer they can go without be, with, with being an elite team without clearly their best big man on the floor. Yeah, I love Harrell. I think he does a lot of great things, but rebounding is not one of them at all. And he, got, and he got bullied tonight by bigger players in Steven Adams and Ennis Cantor. Yeah, I thought that was eye-opening to me to watch Ennis Cantor just literally pound that ball inside and, and go right at him. Uh, I think that's something they're going to have to address. Uh, Nene can only do it, I think, in stretches. And, and you can see D'Antoni turns to Nene when, that, when it gets to that stage, but you know, and, and Clint Capella's good, clearly much better than what they have right now, but he's he's still learning on that kind of role as well. We saw him get eaten up by Brooke Lopez mm-hmm. earlier this season, so I think that's probably something they'll address or try to address later on this season. Uh, it's just, you know, just to your point earlier about the success they're having, it's really like, you know, last year or even the previous years, Beverly and, and Ariza were your best three-point shooters, the high-volume guys. They're now moved down to like fourth and fifth. Ariza's mm-hmm. having a monster season, by the way. But he's been, you know, he's sort of your third, fourth, uh, fifth option, that range, and Beverly's not shooting near as many three-point shots. The shots that were going to guys like Josh Smith, Corey Brewer, Terrence Jones, Donatus Motunas are being gobbled up by the likes of Eric Horn and Ryan Anderson. And, uh, you know, it just makes James Harden that much more dangerous. And it, it gets to what we saw tonight in this particular game. Uh, just a classic matchup. I mean, the, the Thunder come out and just run the Rockets over in that first quarter, or most of the first quarter, and then the Rockets just they just flip a switch. I think that's what is amazing to me about the Rockets this season is even when they're struggling, like they did last year, and they're going you know five for twenty-eight, five for thirty from three-point range. You're like, they're not going to turn this around. This year, when they're struggling, there's just they knock down a couple of threes and the whole offense changes. It, it takes one quarter. And, and it's interesting because we've seen this now for a few games in a row to where they've kind of taken a little while to kind of get their motor going and they've fallen behind by double digits, but there's not a sense of panic anymore like, oh, this team's going to be ugly. They really had the capability of finding one guy, it's been Gordon of late, to save them in one particular period and get them back into the game. And it's been remarkable to see. I think... I hate getting into these narratives about the personality of a team and, and toughness and all these sort of things, but this team seems like it has something there yeah. to where if it's a 12, 14, 15-point deficit, they know that's five possessions of three-pointers, and they're right back in the game. And Gordon has been able to give them that for stretches where he can hit three or four in a quarter, and they're right back in the game. And we saw it tonight. We saw it against the Wizards who came out red hot the other night. The Rockets gobbled that lead up and came right back. And it's funny, I think toward the end of the game, you and I sit here, 
that were concerned because the Rockets blew an 18-point lead and gave up the lead. But really, they were down by 14 early yeah. and went on a 50-25 to run to get back ahead by double digits. They've consistently shown an ability to shoot against anybody. And when you can shoot that well against any defense, you're in every game in this league. And I think that's the most remarkable thing that we've seen about them. They don't seem phased by deficits. They don't seem like they're a weak-minded team. Whatever happened in the offseason, there's a toughness about them right now mentally, and they've been proven able to overcome. Even the one game here where they shot poorly and lost against the Spurs, 6-38, for 38, they were one Eric Gordon wide open three-point away from winning that game. So as, as all of, they blew a 13-point lead in the fourth quarter and they collapsed on the stretch, all these things that look so terrible, they're one make away from winning that game. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing that, that I'm gonna, that's going to stick with me as we hit the halfway point in the season is that this team can shoot. They legitimately can shoot. And all the things we talked about, the deficiencies in recent years, those things are gone. They're still a middle-of-the-pack defense. I think that's all it's going to take. They need to get a little bit better. But if they're going to be a top three, three offense all season long, they can get away with being 12th or 15th defensively and make a decent run in the postseason. Yeah, I used to joke with friends that what you know, what does this team need to contend? And I joke, you know, they need a Steph Curry type shooter. And Eric Gordon has been as yeah, close Gordon's that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. Uh, it, it, I mean, I was really thrilled when they got him, but you know, there were the injury concerns and, and what have you. It's looking like, you know, outside of course Kevin Durant going to Golden State, like the bargain of the offseason. I mean, that, the Rockets again, knock on wood that he stays healthy, have added a legitimate. I would say star next to uh, James Harden because he's playing at that level. The funny thing is, I've always I was an Eric Gordon fan when he came out of Indiana. Um, I thought he was starting to have a fantastic career with the Clippers, and then they just beset by injuries for multiple years. And when you see a guy get injured to that extent over the course of time, you lose sight of who he was. And I think we all lost sight of the kind of player that Eric Gordon was. And it's interesting, Mike D'Antoni talked a lot in the preseason about Gordon being in USA basketball and him seeing him up close and how talented he was. And it, it, it kind of slips your mind that these things are very, very, very much true. And he's been healthy. He's been a guy who can attack off the dribble. He clearly can shoot the rock from any spot on the court. And there's a tenacity about him, I think, internally to prove that he is and has always been this good. And he kind of made that comment the night. I'm, I'm a good player. Like, let's not act like this is new. I'm a good player. Yeah. We haven't had the opportunity to see him be this good player because of the injuries. And I said tonight on Twitter, he's been terrific. And if he continues to play like this, he's going to be the second-best acquisition in the league this season behind Kevin Durant because I don't think anybody could have anticipated him being this good on this particular team. But right now, he's been a fantastic addition. And out of all the things that make life easier for James Harden, I think Anderson is first because of his ability to really stretch the floor as, as a four. But the ability to run game with Gordon there simultaneously, we saw them outscore the Wizards by themselves in the second half of the night. I think the ability to hit, have Harden sit and pair Gordon with Beverly gives them three legitimate guys who can handle yeah. the ball, who can shoot the ball, and at least give you effort defensively. That's not what they expected of those three guys this season. You know, I talk a little bit about Harden and Westbrook tonight. That was a great matchup. Westbrook went off, had eight, uh, hit eight three-point shots. That's a career high for him, 49 points. Uh, I thought a lot of that was with Beverly on the bench, but at the same time, uh, you know, Beverly joked that he, he would say that he was solid defensively tonight, but his man scored 50 points. Um, so, I, you know, he Westbrook had a great game, but I, I still I, I give the heart of the MVP edge to Harden in this season. I, I We talked about it during the game, the efficiency at which – Harden operates compared to Westbrook, and I'm not. To, that's not to discredit Westbrook. He's an incredible player, but he's a volume, much higher uh, field goal attempts per game than uh, than uh, Harden. 
And um, I think we saw some of that tonight. I think there were stretches where I think Westbrook got a little bit selfish. I thought took some early shots and, and probably could have uh, been more effective getting teammates. Uh, I think he strikes me as the kind of guy that the minute things go bad, he recognizes I'm the best guy on the team. I'm going to carry us to the lead. And it almost kind of worked tonight. But when you talk about comparisons, he took twice as many shots as James Harden took tonight. And, and for all the talk about Harden shooting a lot, he doesn't shoot anywhere near as much as Russell Westbrook. And I kind of told you this pregame that, that Harden's season high in field goal attempts is 27. I think it gets the Nets and again the Rockets won. Um, this is, tonight was a ninth time this season Westbrook has taken at least 28 shots a game. He took 34. That's crazy. So he's going to chuck, and he's going to chuck all the time because he has that green light because he's clearly the best player on the team, and he's such a dynamic score in terms of the ability to get to the rack, to shoot three-pointers when he's hot, at least get to the line. But I'm with you. I think when you think about the way a team is constructed, and when you think about all the things that Harden has done for this team this season, he has the slight edge in terms of MVP. The, the raw ability of Russell Westbrook is overwhelming to watch. But Harden, let's take the last play for example. He didn't force a shot in that double team. He waited for his man to roll free. And then they made the great pass, got the Nates in the line. They won the game. I think those are, the ability to do those things at all times of the game is what has separated hard from Westbrook in my mind. But the raw triple doubles is going to be something that's very difficult to overcome. I think people are very much, you know, enamored with that stat. Yeah, averaging and, it. Yeah, yeah and, and, and he's averaging it, too. That's another part of the discussion. If he's going to finish the year with 25 through triple-doubles, it's going to be very, very difficult to overcome that yeah, for James absolutely. Harden. But I think, depending on how well the team does, if this is a 55-win team, I think that's going to work to Harden's advantage. Yeah, and I think you're seeing the same dilemma right now with the uh, All-Star voting. The Rockets are pushing heavily to get Harden on there. It's an honor to, to start that game. But you, you've got Steph Curry, who is clearly a fan favorite and probably going to be leading vote getter if, you know, in, in the West is just my guess. Probably doesn't deserve it over either Westbrook or Harden no, this particular so. season, no. uh, even though he is two-time uh, reigning MVP. Um, so yeah, I I want to ask or I want to talk about one other thing here is what we saw late in this game. The Rockets they were down 14 as we talked about earlier, built an 18 point lead, looked fantastic, but they always have an Achilles heel when they face a team that can throw a defender on Harden and just I don't want to say leave him alone. He does get help, but they don't have to to, to go to double teams so easily and which opens up all the other things. When you're able to leave your defender there, you, the other guys can stay home on the shooters. Makes. I, in the fourth quarter, I thought Roberson did a very good job, and he's been very good against Harden, you know, for his career. Is that going to be a problem for the Rockets, to, you know, facing a team in the playoffs, facing a team later on down the line where they can just leave a, a Kawhi or a Danny Green or somebody that's that good defensively uh, on Harden and, and stay home on the shooters? I think we've gotten to the point in the season where we can ask our eyeballing matchups, and I think it's interesting the, the, the second name you named after um, – after Roberson was Kawhi. And, and I think the Spurs, because they can do that with Harden, I think the Thunder, because they can do that with Harden, to an extent, Memphis, even though he's had some games against Tony Allen when he's gone off, I think those are going to be the, the teams you eyeball in the postseason and may potentially give the Rockets problems because as good as their depth of shooting has been, everything still runs through James. And he's such a great facilitator. He's such a great scorer. They still need him to be a dynamic player, offensive player for them to have success. And tonight, there were moments you saw him kind of hesitate a little bit in terms of taking shots against Roberson because he's so very good against him. He has length. He's able to kind of spread his legs and get out on the floor. And I think he gets in a little bit of trouble. We saw that sometime with Wesley Matthews, but I think Harden has got to overcome that to an extent. And I think it's the same thing can be said to him and Danny Green. I don't think Green bothers Harden as much as he used to in the past, but I think Roberson does. I think uh, Kawhi does. I think Golden State has the ability to throw multiple defenders at James yeah. and make life difficult for him. 
But those are going to be teams we have to watch. As the season unfolds, they have one game left against San Antonio. They have, I guess, two one. left against Golden State or one? I'm not I sure. I believe it's two. Yeah, yeah, two against Golden State, one left against um, Oklahoma City. How does he perform individually in those games will set a tone for how we feel about this team come postseason because with anything in this league, anything in this sport, it's about matchups. And I think there are certain teams that may give the Rockets a difficult time in the postseason, and there are certain teams I think they're going to cut through like a hot knife on butter. We're seeing this massive shift in the league just in general, though I think the Rockets are probably the most representative of it. This three-point craze we saw tonight that Kyle Korver was traded to Cleveland, um, that I think it's going to have an impact certainly on the Cavs. He's an outstanding uh, three-point shooter, and they're going to have a lot of open shots over there. What do the Rockets do? It's a little early from the, you know, as far as the trade deadline. We're probably six weeks away from, from that. But you know, now they look like a, dare I say, legit contender, uh, a team that's going to be very strong in the West, give a good run. Uh, they got to add something to this team. I think we saw tonight that some of the issues they had with rebounding in that fourth quarter, with stopping the guys down low. Is that a critical need of this team, and what else do you think that they, they need? Uh, some athletic size would be nice, and, and I know we, we sat up here and talked about Orleans Noel or Paul Millsap. Or, uh, I think at this point, as, as much of a revelation as Sam Decker has been, you run the risk of overworking him in certain situations that I think will be to his detriment. I don't like him having to guard bigger guys. He busted his butt tonight on the glass, but they were just at a disadvantage all night, not having a guy like Compella with his length in there to kind of mix it up a little bit. You know, Nene had a great game, but he's groundbound and he's older. Um, Montrezl Harrell is much undersized, and you see some moments where he just gets battered by bigger guys. I would not mind seeing them incorporate one more big who can really rebound and really mix it up inside to at least give them a little bit more balance. I think the shooting is fine. I think if they're healthy through the course of the year, what they have in Harden, Gordon, Ariza, Anderson, and Beverly is sufficient. They need a little bit more size. And I think as much as we talk about teams playing small, there are going to be moments where their lack of rebounding is going to hurt them. And I think there are going to be times where their need for another bigger player to kind of get in there and mix it up is going to be glaring. We saw that tonight. We've seen the other time. That's the one area where I think they could lead, get a little bit more help and get a little bit better. I don't know what you relinquish to get that help. I don't know who's going to be available because we're still, you know, two months or well, a month away from the trading deadline. But I think that's going to be something at the eyeball at this point. Yeah, you know, I, uh, very good point. I think that I would agree with you 100% on that. I think as far as what they're, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they would love to be able to trade somebody like KJ McDaniel, this guy who's clearly out of the rotation. Uh, what he can get you, I don't know. Now, if they're looking to get a big, they may look to move Montrez Harrell if, he's, if his value is moving up. I think their first-round pick has got to be in play as well, given that uh, you know it's looking like a, a pick that's going to be in the 20s, and they have a couple of second-round picks that could be uh, higher up, I believe, Denver's and Portland's. Um, so they could be in a good position to trade those type of, of uh Assets, but you know, Corey Brewers, they're probably the salary chunk that they'd have to move. That's to, that's going to be difficult to do. Uh, but I agree with you, they got to get a big. I think Capella has been great this year, looks really good, still a little bit inexperienced. And I'm not sure Nene is something you can totally rely on yeah. health wise and uh, and everything there. So, and, and Montrez has been great as far as a pick and roll guy, um, you know, providing you some energy and occasionally defense. But as we talked about earlier, just been getting killed on the glass. Uh, and, and some other issues. So I think tonight was probably the most uh, problematic where you can clearly see they have a problem guarding the post and, and, and getting those rebounds. So, yeah, I think that uh, I think for now that about covers it. But uh, it's been, to me, I'm just in shock. I mean, I still keep waiting for something to, to, to kind of like, is this for real? Is this team really? Because I think it's, a, to me, it's, you know, we've talked for years with Daryl Morey, 
or about Daryl Morey and the whole chemistry versus adding talent. They've added talent, in it, but it fits in such a way that it, it kind of it, it just blows my mind because it's proven us wrong. Everything that has that they've done has kind of worked out. The Decker thing I joked about, you know, Bobby Portis for all of last year they should have taken him. Mike D'Antoni was largely criticized as a less Alexander move that he just wanted the old Suns system. And you know, we look at what that what this team was last year and we think, okay, he's going to increase the number of threes. How is he going to get more out of this team? The, the offense wasn't the problem. They needed to bolster their defense. They changed personnel, fits better. It, it just kind of blows my mind how it's it's kind of tricked fans into what was before adding a bunch of superstars should have a great team, and now you've added a bunch of role players around one superstar, and they fit perfectly. We're four games away from the midpoint of the season, and I would submit this. The Rockets have one bad loss to a bad team the season opener against the Lakers, and one disappointing loss to a good team when they led by 13 against the Spurs here and blew that, that lead in the fourth quarter. That's it. They've taken care of, of business against bad teams, and they found ways to win games where we, we're sitting here thinking the bottom's going to fall out tonight. With the disbelief in how good they are, it's still kind of hanging over you, and they keep pushing that back. They keep finding a way to win those games where you're like, you're at a point where you have to accept, you know what, maybe this is a really, really good team. Yeah. And I think because you went into the season not buying that, you, you opened this year thinking D'Antoni was, is past his prime as a coach. The rest of the league has caught up to his offensive philosophy. Yes. Yeah. Anderson and Gordon have injuries, histories, and all these sort of things that are kind of clouding your judgment on how good this team is going to be. They've beaten every team they should beat, and they've played very well against good teams. I'm winning on the road against Golden State. They haven't lost a back-to-back, the second half of a back-to-back all season. You know, that game against Denver on the road after the Golden State loss win in double overtime, to me, still resonates in terms of this team being impressive. The game at Minnesota where they were down double digits in the, yeah. in the, second, in the fourth yeah. quarter and came back on, on the road on the second half of a back-to-back. They, they've done a lot of things to prove how good they are. <laughs> yeah, it's and true. maybe we should no, no longer be non-believers and just accept what our eyes are showing us. It's a damn good team. Yeah. And it may seem hard to believe, and because we see how great Golden State is and they're the best team in the West by far, the Spurs are still the Spurs. Okay, so they're the third best team in the West. That gives them an opportunity to play in the Western Conference Final. And then they got there again. I think everybody would be satisfied with how good this team has developed over the course of the season. I just can't get over the fact that they've had these close calls against bad teams, but they keep finding ways to win. They've, they've had deficits against good teams, and they keep finding ways to win. And, and the, the, the list is short in terms of eyeballing losses to where you're like, that was a bad loss. It's very, very short. Even losing on a road to Oklahoma State the first Oklahoma City the first time, where you blew a 10-point lead yeah. in a fourth quarter, that's still on the road. Those things happen. I, I just, I, I think at this point, I've kind of come around to accept what I'm seeing. And it's a good team, and they're going to be a good team, and they need a little bit of help. But I think by and large, they figured out a formula that suits James Harden. They seem like they like playing for Mike D'Antoni, and it sets up for a really interesting second half of the season for this group. That's MK Bauer. I appreciate you doing this, MK, and uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back here soon. Yeah.